You know, you meet monks and lay people who've been practicing meditation for years with still strong views. And uh, one, I remember in England, one of the trustees of the English Song of Trust, Jeffrey Beardsley, he was an elderly man, Englishman, who was one of the trustees who invited me to England. And uh, he was very devoted to uh, practice of meditation. He developed this uh, Mahasi Sayadaw method of practice. And uh, he'd gone on retreats and and uh, in in his home, he had a shrine, you know, where he'd go and meditate in, in the shrine room with Buddha Rupas. He was very devoted to, to Ajahn Panyawada, the Welsh monk with Ajahn Lungtabua. And uh, he came to me one day, this was at Amravati, and he said, you know, I've been practicing over 20 years and I'm, I'm nowhere and so you know this was a sad thing to <coughs> you know a sad thing to hear because they obviously been trying but he missed the point he was attached to technique to to teachers to views about practice and um, and he wasn't aware of that. I mean, his attachments were all quite wholesome, you know. And Venerable uh, Panyawado was very worthy monk, and and so forth. But you know, even attachment to the technique was uh, gets in the way. You know, it's in letting go that. You, you find liberation. And letting go doesn't mean you get rid of things. Like letting go of Vinaya and letting go of tradition doesn't mean I get rid of it. But seeing the attachment to the conventions, to forms, to techniques, that limit, you know, it blinds me to it's got to be. I've got to have so many hours of sitting practice, and I've got to go on retreats, and I've got to, you know, uh, you get into all these kind of all all the things you should be doing, and then you feel guilty when, you, like, after you give a ten-day retreat in England, they many of them say, you know, I'm when I'm I made uh, determinations to practice uh, two hours every day. And then they go back home, they can't do two hours every day. <laughs> then they feel guilty. And so, you know, we, we make traps for ourselves endlessly by making these kind of, when we're inspired, I'm going to devote my life to Buddhism, and, and that comes from an inspired moment. 
but you know one gets bored with monastic life and and uh, fed up with traditional forms and things like that but these are all you know and I think I've got to disrobe I'm no longer I no longer have the faith that I used to have and these are all states of mind to observe to be the knower the puto rather than the owner of these things so like being bored with is you know a lot of monastic life is very boring as you're probably aware of <laughs> and uh, in lay life you know as soon as we're bored we we can do something to find interest you know there's television there's smoking cigarettes taking drugs telephones and 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 on and on like that go to the pub go to the cinema and on and on like that but in monastic life we can't do all that so we we have to deal with with boredom which is a mental state that comes that is part of the suffering of being human life for human beings is really quite a boring experience So, like in marriages, and people get bored with each other, and uh, you know, boredom is nobody wants it. We want to have interesting, fascinating, romantic, adventurous life, but but life is like this. A lot of it's just breathing in, breathing out, going to the toilet, eating food, <laughs> sleeping. This is the way. This is what, what daily life is like. It's not particularly romantic or interesting. But uh, as you take your refuge in Dhamma, in awareness, then you, you learn from wanting to disrobe. It's like this. Or being fed up with the traditional forms. It's like this. And... Uh, you know, so you're not expected, you know, the thing is, it's not a cult. This is not a cult religion where you, you have to believe what we tell you to believe. That you should, you know, how you should be as a Buddhist monk and, and when you don't act like that, then you're bad and, and you have to do penance and so forth. So, we, uh, you know, we, 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 that's making everything very personal. But in Dhamma, and we take refuge in Dhamma, and then we chant, every morning, evening, we chant, Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipasiko, Opanaiko, Bajatang, Vaitidapo, and then we translate a parent here and now. And that's a good reflection. What is apparent here and now is is, is that we're we're, con we're aware, we're conscious. Consciousness is here and now. It's timeless. It's not about yesterday or, or the future. Akalika Dhamma is here and now. And that's conscious awareness.
how much of the problem people have in letting go is now they, they are afraid of them, their own selves. They are afraid of their, their own desire, they are afraid of their own mind tendencies. Right, because, like, we all have what they call, what Jungian therapists call the shadow, the negative side. And, uh, and, and that we're afraid of. Because, like, uh, I remember when I first started taking an interest in psychology, I was afraid to find out, to look at myself. You know, scared. I didn't know what I'd find. And I was afraid there was something dark and ugly inside me. And so, uh, you know, I was, I was in the Navy at the time. We were out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And I got to, I became so frightened. I went to the fantail, the back of the ship. We were out in the middle of the Pacific. And I thought, just all I have to do is just jump in. Nobody will know till the next day that I'm gone. I'm out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and die. You know, I thought committed suicide would solve the problem. But fortunately, I didn't do that. <laughs> and then, you know, just through this kind of practice of witnessing, I became fearless. I'm not afraid of that dark side. It is, you know, it's something I recognize as part of the human experience. Life is about birth, old age, sickness, and death. About love and hate, like and dislike. About success and failure. About right and wrong. You know, these are all, this is what the world is made of. Are these, these conditions. What's right and You've got to stick to what's right and what's wrong. You've got to fight against the forces of evil. And so, you know, you become convinced you've got to fight against the devil and fight against, you know, destroy the axis of evil, get rid of Satan, kill the devil. <laughs> and, and you can't do it. You can understand that the devil is, is a perception. That's all it is. And any dark feelings anyone has, they're just passing shadows, like horror movies. There's nothing more to them. When, the, when you turn the light of awareness on them, they, they lose their, their power. It's when you, when you act out of fear, you know, suppress or or do act on evil impulses, then you create karmic connections to those in impulses. <coughs> but if you trust in your awareness, then, you, you know, no matter how evil the thoughts may be, they're like passing shadows. There's nothing there. You know, in the light of awareness, they, they lose all their scary ability to scare you. They're like these paper dragons. 
you know, those Chinese dragons, they're nothing but hot air. And yet, you know, if you just look at them, react to their fierce look, you can become frightened of them. No, there's nothing to fear. And so, you know, and then in that the gate to the deathless is open, and then ye soda one tabba moon ten tooth, the tongue is the second one. It means to trust this, the statement. So it's not a belief, you know, you're not grasping this as some kind of belief, but it's, it's a matter of trust, of sada in Pali, in awareness. And so that's mainly what I encourage now people to do. I'm not, I'm not so fond of techniques and all the kind of formulas of techniques of practice, but it, it kind of encouraging people to trust this awareness that's available here and now, in which, as a, you know, we can cope with whatever we have to cope with in life. So like on retreat, lay people, everything is organized and they, they keep noble silence and they, they, they can't, they have to check their iPhones in the office <laughs> and then they're told when to eat, when to get up, when to sit, when to walk and and so, you know, if it's ten days of that, people get very calm. And then they think, how can, how can I attain this calm and tranquility when I go home, where I have children, husband or wife, mother and father? <laughs> you know, how can I get to this state, you know, of tranquility that I really like? Where the awareness of going home is like this, living with your mother is like this, living with your father, with your wife or husband, children. It's, it's not projecting on them how you want them to be or seeing them as obstructions to the path, but just using the flow of life with wisdom. So the, the gate to the deathless is apparent here and now, timeless. Ahipasco, you know, it's like encouraging investigation or come and see for yourself. You know, it's like, wake up right now. And, and then uh, open my kadama is inward. You're not going, you're not seeking outward things anymore. Like usually we experience consciousness through the senses. So we're always looking for the right place or the right kind of music or, uh, you know, we want a peace and quiet beauty and, and uh, harmonious uh, experiences and the ideals. So uh, when we want that and we don't know what we're doing, then we're, we're creating an endless problems for ourselves in life. Because life isn't, you know, it's a sensual experience that we have, 
But our true nature is pure consciousness. It's not the senses, not the body, not the eyes, ears, tongue, nose. It's not any of the senses. Because they deteriorate. You know, you can't trust. I can't trust my eyes anymore. I can see. I know you're a mudito, but... But you still get fuzzy in terms of sight. <laughs> it's not your fault. Or mine is just the way the way it is in terms of eye consciousness. You know, it's untrustworthy. I'm wearing these hearing aids, and and then they pick up certain sounds. And when people aren't speaking directly to me, I can't understand them. So I just hear noise. So then I keep trying to figure out what they're saying, and I can't unless, you know, somebody's speaking to me directly, then I can quite hear quite well, but, but this is the way it is. And so in terms of the five khandhas, rupa, vedana, sanya, sankara, vijnana, vijnana khanda is a senses. You know, so we experience, that's what we identify consciousness with, is sensory consciousness. And that's impermanent, and not self. But consciousness that isn't dependent on senses. So in in terms of Dhamma practice, you know, there's earth, fire, water, and air, which are forms. You know, so your body, your thoughts, your all your sensory experiences, the senses themselves, the objects of senses, are all earth, fire, water, and air, and they manifest in space. And in consciousness, space is in consciousness. If there is no consciousness, there would be no space or forms. <coughs> So, so consciousness is earth, air, water, air, con- uh, space, and consciousness. So the the last two elements are immeasurable. Like space has no boundary. So you can you, you can use space as a meditation because you know just looking out here, you know, this uh, where does it end? You know, in the walls of what on a chat in space. In, or is the non-achat in space, or is the planet Earth in space, and the sun, moon, and stars in space? Space is, you know, in terms of see, seeing that, it's quite, it's vast and endless, no boundary. And then uh, consciousness, you can't perceive. It's the perceiving mechanism. Without consciousness, there's no ability to perceive anything. So you, that's why you can't see, you can't perceive consciousness. You can't find it as an object. Because that's what you are. And when that really sinks in, when you begin to really know that, trust that, then the, then you realize that real end of suffering is here and now. Not about getting some body and 
developing jhanas and 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 going through all the four foundations of mindfulness to finally attain stream entry or arahantship. These are ideals set in scriptures, but but the reality is not an ideal. And it's apparent here and now, timeless, come and see for yourself. And to be realized in budget time, had to be realized individually. So, you know, this is what Dungva Cha is always using at budget time. Then budget time, you have to know this for yourself. You can't, you can't point to it or teach it to anybody. But the, the Four Noble Truths teaching actually points at that. You know, it's a brilliant teaching as a direction, not as a doctrine. For us, what is most close concept we have is sati. To that, to that that you're talking about, yeah. sati. Is that sati, sampatanya, sati, dhamma vichaya, investigation. And it's an encouragement to investigate this conscious experience that you're experiencing. Not to judge it, you know, not make take it personally, but to see it in terms of the reality of now and, you know, try to hold on to a mood. You know, it changes according to somebody praises you and you feel happy and then somebody insults you and you feel angry. I mean, we're just victims of praise and blame, success and failure. Happiness and suffering, you know, and the worldly dhammas were just helpless victims of conditioned phenomena until we realize our true nature. Did you save your energy for the next day more coming? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs>